When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Vikings are pretty much the best team in North American team sports to never win a championship. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. What's going on, everybody? This is Purple Daily's Before We Die on Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce, constantly writing about hockey, but switching over to the Vikings side because the Wild, not great. The Vikings, seven and one, baby. He's Thor Nystrom. Uh, Thor's always bringing the positivity, drinking that purple Kool Aid, and uh, filling in for Ross, who is in Lincoln, Nebraska this weekend. Boo. We've got Dex with us. Uh, <laughs> boo. boo. <laughs> just starting the show off just on fire. Nicely done, Declan. Thank Thanks you. Thank you. Enough. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I know Roscoe uh, threw this out here about a few weeks back. I think he planned this trip before, like, you know, the Gophers demise Thor. So I think when they were like 4 0 going into the Purdue game, he had this locked in the schedule. Uh, and I know he's the biggest Gopher football fan I personally know. So he may prob- probably would have went regardless, but I think he probably missed a better uh, Victory Monday opportunity here uh, with the Vikings at 7 and 1. I, mean, I credit Ross with the comeback win there in the second half. Ross, he, he labored to teach me how to pronounce the backup quarterback's name. Labor. And then the backup quarterback comes in that redshirt freshman has his best game <laughs> of his career so far. So that's all credit to Ross. Shout out to Ross. We miss you. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Uh, shout out to all the fans who came out to first rounders at Mall of America for the live show uh, presented by Surly Dex. That was a, a heck of a time. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we, we've never been to that sports bar before, and I believe it's a new one um, in the MOA. So it's it's a newish bar, and yeah, we met so many cool Vikings fans that were able to come up uh, on stage with us too, and and invent some frustrations and more celebrations too. I love that even when they win, there's still something to you know complain about. So and that that's kind of the nature of our show. So I'm glad they all showed up. I'm glad they drank their Surly Brewing products. I'm glad they all had a good time. It was it was a blast. What I mean, Vikings fans? You don't say, Dex. Yeah, no, yeah. not at all. Not jagged, not not worried about what's going to happen. Not at all. Not them. I mean, I will admit it, and I, because people have come for me in the comments on it, <laughs> I am now thinking the Vikings are on the good side of being a 7-1 to team. I've been critical. I've been hesitant to admit that I'm all on board because I'm just, I'm not always ready to be hurt, you know? it's There's been a lot of healing, a lot of scarring over the years following this Minnesota Vikings team, as you all well know. But they are now 7-1, and one, and I will say that victory against the Commanders in Washington yesterday, I'm in. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Super Bowl or bust. All in. Ready to ride. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was we, – we've been talking in some of these past episodes about how you want to start winning some of these games by margin. But this was a wonky spot, right? It was, it was a road game against a team that had been playing really well. 
that had strengths that lined up against, you know, being able to potentially take the Vikings out of some, some of the things that they like to do. And we did see that after the first drive for a while. But the Vikings were able to get back on track at the end of that game, come back and win it. That's all that matters to, to go to 7-1. and one. And now you have the Bills game coming up. And we may or may not see Josh Allen. We may yes. or may be getting the case, Keita, but Stephon Diggs, uh, I guess it's not a return to Minneapolis, but we may get the uh, the Minneapolis Miracle Connection on Sunday, you know, which I know we're all praying for. All praying. It's we're, we're, uh, We'll break that game down more in Thursday's episode. Uh, yesterday, TJ Hawkinson, you guys, he makes his debut. Nine receptions, nine targets, 70 yards. What did we think of TJ's performance? I mwah, I loved it. I love yeah. it. I'm all, all ready. He had an incredible game. I mean, five days after he gets acquired via trade, he's playing 90% of the snaps. That was the stunning thing to me. You know how big of a fan I was of that trade in a vacuum, but like we thought maybe Hawkinson plays 50% of the snaps because that's what everyone does right after they get acquired in a midseason trade. But Hawkinson picked that playbook up really quick, and O'Connell gave us an indication in the pregame he did an interview, I believe, with Tom Pelissaro, and he he sort of had a Cheshire uh, cat grin on his face when, when he said, you're going to see Hawkinson a lot more than people think you're going to see him. And that's indeed what turned out to be the case. And not only that, Hawkinson was a main part of the, the game plan, the game yeah. script. And and KOC had also indicated, like, you know, the, the, this this portrait that I've just drawn of, of the game script that we're going to do uh, in, in this game coming up, that Hawkinson is an extremely big main character of it. And that's what turned out to be the case. He had, he had the nine catches. He did well on blocking. The, the, yeah. There was a one long pass play where, where he made a key block. He was also really good in just creating diversions on mm-hmm. Delvin Cook's uh, touchdown catch. It was Hawkinson that pulled the safety the other way to allow uh, Delvin to get, get deep like that. So uh, just a, a fabulous uh, debut performance by Hawkinson. Sometimes, Thor, I hate that you take literally everything I was going to say because now I have nothing. <laughs> I mean, honest to God, I was going to say he opened up the holes for Dalvin Cook. You said that. He was an inline threat with a blocking ability. You said that. So thank you, Thor. Uh, you Dex, it. what did you think? I mean, I think the other great thing about TJ Hawkinson is not only obviously what he's able to provide for the Vikings, but man, he's got to be thrilled. He's on a team now that has seven wins in their first eight games. I don't think he topped more than six wins with Detroit through his rookie seasons, right? Like, so... He's got to be just jacked as heck to uh, to be here. Well, yeah, Very he's cousins when I say he's got a here. lot of you know extra playability to his game. He's obviously that yak monster, and, and I mean Thor. I I know you uh, have I've seen a lot of Hawkeye football. And you probably can attest that Kirk Cousins is far and away the best quarterback in college or in the NFL that this dude uh, has at his disposal now. And yeah, he was on. I, I he was impressive in the debut, and I I think one of the Bentline fans brought this up at first round yesterday was. You know, if KJ Osborne isn't going to take, you know, this step that we thought he was going to take after a nice second season, if Adam Thielen's maybe coming down to earth a bit, well, now all of a sudden TJ Hawkinson emerges as like the legit intermediate weapon that if Justin Jefferson's taken away, you can rely on this awesome freak of nature tight end who can kind of bail you out and then also still give you really big chunk plays. 1000%. Yeah. And it's crazy that we saw that right away. Right, like right away. That that was a surprising thing. The game after it happens, five days after it happens, you're going to see a lot more of that. And your your point's really well taken, Dex. Hawkinson is a guy who, in in an enormous frame, and he's a fabulous athlete. He, he in in the RAS, he was like a 92 percentile athlete, so, so, something like that. But he's also a very good route runner. You, you saw, I mean, you, you saw a little bit of that. Some of the catches were just him coming across the formation just sort of short dump offs, but you also got to see some of that route running. And that's what you're going to see more and more 
him creating the separation and also drawing the attention of the opposing defense, which we usually talk about that with regards to Justin Jefferson. But now that the defense has to concentrate on both of those guys, it's only going to help the other uh, ancillary tertiary guys in the offense get their space. Hawkinson's nine catches, the most by a Minnesota Vikings tight end since Kyle Rudolph when he had nine against the Lions in 2018. Love to see it. We mentioned Kirk Cousins. I got to we got to talk about Kirk again, guys. We're not, maybe I'm team Kirk. I never thought I'd say that either. I just, maybe I'm team Kirk. Iced out on the plane, shirtless, just having a good time. All of a sudden he's like that fun dad at the club a little bit. <laughs> I mean, what more can we say about Kirk Cousins? I, I mean, obviously he loves his newest weapon with Hawkinson. Um, led the team down to get that tying goal, get within field goal range then too for uh, Greg the leg to get, kick the game winner. Um, I mean, Kirk Cousins, third most in touchdown passes in Vikings history as well, you guys. Are we all Team Kirk? I think we have to be. We have to – we can't hate on him so much anymore, right? We we definitely are Team Kirk, and Kirk is living his best life this year. You know, last year he was pushing Zimmer on the sidelines and all that, and, he you know, he was surly and he was looking over his shoulder when he'd have a bad pass. This year you're seeing the best life Kirk could possibly live. He's got the chains on in the post-game celebration. He's doing the tongue-in-cheek, you like that, you know, in the in the in the post-game. I love to see that and watch it. We, we called that. We, we we thought that we might see that and we did. He he's having a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun when you go seven and one. Yeah, you know, he's probably having a little less fun as the interior O-line continues to struggle a little bit. He got sacked. What can be done there? We saw, you know, Garrett Bradbury and uh Schlotman really just pushed aside so often yesterday. It just kind of, that's the only concerning point. That's the only negative thing I'll say, guys, too. I will be positive the rest of the freaking show, I promise, but you got to address it. I mean, is that a concern? I mean, it could be a big concern, obviously, heading in to uh, to Buffalo next week. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, you know, Bradbury have went down with that injury for a little bit and stuff like that. Looks like he'll be okay. But, yeah, I mean, the guard play uh, is what in pass pro specifically was awful. Um, in fact, Ezra Cleveland had a 0.0 PFF p- pass blocking grade. He gave up nine pressures in that game. The interior pressure was coming the entire game because Ed Ingram struggled mightily again in pass pro as well. Wasn't quite as bad as Cleveland, but he was not good. Ingram did do pretty good in the run blocking, which has been a, a consistent strength of his all season. But the pass pro thing has not uh, come to fruition yet. Y- you hope that you see it, but that that part of his game has started to get little bit problematic when you start thinking, you know, projecting it forward when, when you're going to be in some of these, you know, what could be higher scoring games or games where you need to get a lot of passing production. Can you afford to have Ed Ingram, his pass pro struggles? And if it's in conjunction with Ezra Cleveland doing the pass pro like he was doing yesterday, it's that's very concerning. Yeah. Uh, one thing that continues to get better, and I think we owe Ed Dante possibly like a small apology at this point because the defense continues to just absolutely wreck teams and, and get their way to the quarterback. I mean, shout out there again. We're putting the D back in Donatel, I think. Yeah, Donatel, he's going to get the last laugh on us with that one. You know, <laughs> it, like it in September, it was a very slow acclimation process into the 3-4. And there was a couple of these games where they struggled situationally or struggled against the pass early on in the season. There was the struggles against the run. But it's like one by one, all these things are getting tightened up game by game. And things are getting better and better and better. Plus the players who were having a hard time acclimating initially, now you're starting to see them take off. Daniil Hunter yesterday, two yes. sacks. A, a, a guy where all season we're like, when is Daniil, fi- when is it going to click for him? And it finally has. And it's it's funny, you know, in September when we were talking about it, it's like, 
man, this could be a tough one because you're delineating so much of your cap to Daniil Hunter, and he's such a stud. But now you're making a, you know, he's 4-3, hand in the dirt defensive end to 3-4 outside linebacker. Maybe he just can't hack it there. And and we were talking about, like, Donatel really has to consider, you know, doing some stuff like maybe you go to the multiple fronts where, like, on some plays you go to the four-man defensive front and then Hunter can rush with his hands in the dirt. Donatel made those adjustments. Like, mm-hmm. he actually did. And And then, you know, situationally, Hunter gets to put his hand in the dirt again, and he's just as devastating as he always was. Plus, he's starting to uh, push, put more pressure from the outside as the 3-4 outside rushing uh, linebacker. Yesterday, Zadarius Smith has been a stud all season. But yesterday was the best game that those two have had in conjunction because Zadarius was playing like he always did. He racked up a whole bunch of pressures again. But this time, Daniil, it was actually the meet at the quarterback thing that they talked about over the offseason. Yeah, Uh, we also got a shout out to Harry the Hitman, you guys. Harrison Smith coming in huge. Fantastic celebration at the end as well with the bowling Uh, on that. I just absolutely love to see it. Um, What can you say about Harrison Smith? I feel like, and and this could just be me, he's been a little bit quieter, right? Like you haven't really, we haven't talked about Harrison Smith nearly as much as we have in, in years past. And not to say that is for lack of him doing anything good. It's just, he's kind of been a little bit more ghost-like, if you will, and and you really saw him shine yesterday. Yeah, and this is another acclamation into the system thing because previously with Zimmer, Zimmer would use him in or around the box a lot. And that's why, you know, so often in in games in years past, you would hear the announcers calling on Harrison Smith's name all the time because he's always around the ball there. Whereas Donatel, you know, pushing the two safeties back, the shell thing we were making fun of earlier this season, Harrison <laughs> Smith is just starting further. Uh, Harrison Smith is starting further away from the ball. He's having to do more center field uh, type type duties like that. But getting the three the three consecutive games with interceptions, you're starting to see him lock into what his new role is uh, quite a bit more. And those field flipping plays in games where it's the one possession win. Or I think now, what is it, uh, six straight wins uh, of one possession mm-hmm. for, for, for the Vikings? I mean, like, those plays are friggin' enormous, the yeah. field-flipping plays, and, and Harrison Smith has been coming up with those. I'm glad you brought that up, Thor, because that was going to be my next point, too. The Vikings are now 6-1 and one in one-score games this year. They went 6-8 and eight in one-score games last season. I mean, that's a huge difference for this team to be able to pull out those wins. And like I said, they haven't been pretty, and we've criticized them pretty heavily. But yesterday's you know, close win, it was a more convincing win, right? I mean, the way that they drove down and and got uh, Kirk Cousins time even to make that game winning drive is just, it was tremendous. I mean, things really seem to finally be really clicking on all ends, whether it's the defense. Um, I lied. There is still one more little tiny little criticism that I'm going to put in there. Third quarter. Um, Every game, there is an issue within the third quarter. And it's great because Kirk fourth quarter is tremendous, it seems. But what the heck is going on there with the third quarter struggles pretty consistently this year? That, that's the one thing they got to tighten up. And I it, it, it's hard to say, right? Because, like, the offense has been good in the other three quarters. And the, the third quarter, barring, uh, what was it? Was it last week or the week before? They, they put up 14 in the third. But, like, yeah. outside of that, the offense has not played well in, in the third quarters this year. I do have a slight correction. The Vikings are actually 6-0 and in one-possession games because – the loss was to the Eagles. He said six and one. I say six and one. I'm pretty sure you did. But that's... X, can we rewind the tape? You will have to rewind it because uh, even the producer wasn't listening if you said six and one or six and zero. Oh. So, so there's I three flags. No. There's there's three. There's multiple <laughs> flags on the field right now. 
I will expect Jesse's apology in the in the next episode. But either way, the your point's well taken on Kirk Cousins at the end of games. Like in the past, you know, a lot of people, Vikings fans included, had criticized Cousins as sort of like an empty calorie stack guy who did not have the clutch gene. Yeah. This year, it's sort of inversed itself, right? Where like some of these games heading into the fourth quarter, Cousins does not have the best counting stats. But over and over again, he has played really well in that final frame. Not sure the difference between the third quarter and the fourth, but uh, it's working out so far. Ed. They just got to fine-tune that third quarter thing, Ed, and we'll be rolling. i just pulling out the stats for you guys. Minnesota ranks 29th in the NFL uh, for third-quarter points per game. Um, so it is. It's something that we're all seeing. Let's let's lock it up, KOC. Improve on that. That would be grateful. I'm sick of like watching games like this. Sometimes, like getting very nervous, even at the end when Greg the Leg was going to kick it. Were you guys nervous? Because we've been very harsh on our boy Greg Joseph for good reason, mind you. Um, how were we nervous? Were we feeling the nerves while we were at that live show? I think I saw, I know Thor and I did a quick whiskey shot just to like <laughs> calm ourselves, but uh, yeah. I don't know. What were your guys' thoughts on uh, Greg Joseph, who came through clutch? Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, obviously. Well, my thought was when the bartender brought it over with pickle juice, I was like, well, what is this? You've never <laughs> had a pickleback? Like, no. that's wild. I've had a pickleback, yeah. Go, it's, uh, it, no. I, Go I Husky, St. Cloud State, yeah. I know that very well. <laughs> I think the server was getting commissioned on whiskey because every time he came over, he was like, you ready for that whiskey? And I was like, absolutely not, sir. It is a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I have a mom of three. Yeah. <laughs> I have a mom. And then he just kept, he was so persistent. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it, but I can only do it with pickle juice because I hate whiskey that much. Like, just nah, it's a hard pass normally for me. But it was, you know, the spirit of the thing. He was, was like the Vikings pass rush. You keep knocking on that door, <laughs> it's eventually gonna fall off its axis. Exactly, wow. exactly. It was, uh, it was good. But yeah, I mean, in general, again, great, great win for your Minnesota Vikings yesterday. Um, just, well, I just wanted to say one other thing about yeah. the defense. It, yeah. The, the one long touchdown that the the Washington got, they were given by the ref who tackled Bynum when Bynum had a free interception. Heineke throws it into triple coverage downfield. It's a badly underthrown ball. Yes. And so, so so Bynum just turns into like Tory Hunter. as this, He's just waiting for the ball to come. <laughs> he's sort of drifting over. And then the ref gives him the forearm the shimmy right as the ball. We got every yeah. sport involved in that game. There was a little bit of hockey check. Yeah. There was a little bit of basketball pick setting. And then, yeah, waiting for that fly ball to drop. I, I love when the ref was on the ground after he ran into Bynum. And he, he put, put his hands up. He did that thing. It's like, bro, you're the ref. You don't put the hands up thing. You definitely screwed up. And you're showing. <laughs> it now but yeah i mean you take that out of of washington stats that one pass play down the field there i mean the vikings defense shut them down Mm -hmm. throughout that game and again that should not have been a touchdown it should have been the vikings ball going the other way and by the way bynum would have had a little bit of room to run right like going forward so who knows how how far he brings that out but um he get the win anyway despite having a, a really rotten piece of luck happen during that game yeah, Curtis Samuel, really the only weapon utilized for, for Washington. Otherwise, I think you're right, Thor. I think the Vikings did a great job at keeping Washington because it's going to be a very, very tough test come Sunday in Buffalo, whether Josh Allen plays or whether he's limited. Um, we will see. There's plenty of time before that. I'm sure he'll play, and I'm sure that'll be whatever. Um, we'll talk more about that coming up here on Thursday, however. I still want to go back to their 7-1. and one. I know I gave my opinion. I said I'm all in. And Thor, I'm sure you, Declan, what do you think of a seven and one team? Does it still feel real? It it feels real. I would say uh, when they go into this Buffalo game, and yes, they're it, 
I don't know how the Vikings had this QB magic where they only play backup quarterbacks for the most part this season. Um, but he, let's let's assume it is Josh Allen, whether he's at 70% or 100%. I think that's the statement game where if you win that game, it's probably that's where that belief and feeling of, oh, this is legitimate can come from. Um, I, I was talking with Realistic Randy on this YouTube channel uh, earlier today that I had that feeling in 2017 when the Vikings played the Rams at home and it was the number one offense in the Rams versus the number one defense and Sean McVay and Jared Goff were just lighting it up and they were on fire and the Vikings kind of were the, oh, it's defense. That's not going to work. Like, even though it's in their own barn, um, the Vikings defense probably isn't legit and they'll get lit up by Sean McVay and, and this new hot shot offense. Well, the Vikings put the clamps down. They were just in control the whole game and they basically ran the Rams out of the building. And that's, I think for me, and it was honestly around the same time, it was around week seven or eight of that 2017 year which turned out to be a 13-3 and magical season, that you saw, oh, this is legit, this actually can work, and this is a Super Bowl contending team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if they lose this game to the Bills, I don't think anyone would be too shocked, but if you win it, and if maybe you potentially win it convincingly, um, I think you're going to finally start to see a lot more national attention and respect on the Vikings' name, because obviously the Bills are right up there with the Chiefs and Eagles as the Super Bowl favorites this season. And again, can we talk about how just wonky the football league is this year? What we saw yesterday, I mean, the Jets pushing against the Buffalo Bills. Who who knew that? Who knew that they still played football, apparently? <laughs> um, you also see Detroit take down Green Bay, which was even better than a Vikings win, let's be honest. It was Chef's just guess. glorious. Like, it's such a weird season this year, right? Like, it's just kind of all over the place. It's, it's chaotic. I'm going to just, it's very chaotic to me. It for sure is. And and the 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 jump from the situational football under Mike Zimmer to the situational football under Kevin O'Connell is so vast. It, it, you, you almost cannot understate it. And in a year where the NFC was down and some wonky stuff is happening in the NFL, like like you're talking about, Jesse, what what a great part of the team to just leap up from yeah. decidedly below average in the league and maybe one of the league's worst in situational spot. The, the last Zimmer team last season, they would give up all, you know, they'd have a lead and they'd give up all those points late in the game and then they'd, they'd blow the games. This one is, is the complete opposite. And in this situation, in this circumstance, the context, the Vikings are existing in now, it's not a surprise that they're 7-1 with how well they're playing situationally. The, the, the thing yesterday, it's at the end of the game, the Vikings are going to kick the, the field goal to go ahead at the end of that game. And there's like, what, like you know, a minute and 50 seconds left or whatever. And then the Washington guy gets the dumb penalty trying to, to jump over the, the long snap or whatever. They get the penalty. Uh, O'Connell takes it, even though he's taking points off of the board, in order so that he can run the clock to zero. And O'Connell actually told his offense, do not score. Do yeah. not score on, on these fall. We just want that the clock to get as close to zero as we can. Then we're going to kick the thing again. That's what they did, and there was only one play that Washington had after that. That's just super-duper smart situational football. And another example of something that O'Connell did different than almost assuredly Zimmer would have in the same spot. O'Connell, best coach in the league, we willing to say. I mean, you know, like I think that's a a valid conversation, especially at this point. In his first year with this team, and yes, he has the talent underneath him, right? But he's able to exploit and use it the way that hasn't been done before. Right. So, I mean, I think I'd say yes. And that's even an unbiased coming. I think Kevin O'Connell definitely needs to be in that discussion if he isn't already. He He's way up there in terms of the, the front runners for culture of the year. I'm trying to pull up the odds right now. I don't know if they've, they've dropped. I actually know they, they have the, the new one. So um, O'Connell 
the the front runner right now is is Nick Sirianni. Um, I I feel like O'Connell's doing as good of a job as as that guy. It's O'Connell's first year, right? Like, and he had to take. You know, it's like that Bill Parcells quote about like, you know, if if, if you want me to cook the meal, you should let me let me buy the groceries. Well, O'Connell, most of the groceries are already there, right? Because because yeah. you know the previous administration, they had a lot of guys locked up and stuff like that, and he's turning the same uh, ingredients that Mike Zimmer used to cook a a meal that only Jesse could appreciate into now a five-star <laughs> gourmet meal. Uh, yeah. Leave the gravy off. Leave the, I mean, yeah, I probably would be more Mike Zimmer. I, oh, the, no, there, there's some gravy in this meal. that there's, no, been cooking. Yeah. there's certainly and some peanut is. butter cups too, Jesse. Oh God. Declan, where do you stand on peanut butter cups? Love you know? Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. Love, it's love, love, take. love Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what was, what was your, I saw your candy tweet. I'm blanking on it from earlier this week on or last week on Halloween. Jesse, what was Mounds. your, Mounds Mounds okay, and mounds and almond joys, Jesse, are the ones you give to your dad or your weird uncles that you no. never eat out of your Halloween candy. I'm that person. There we go. There we go. <laughs> exactly right. I had somebody at the Wild Game bring me all of his from his kids' thing. Like it was some fans. Wait, really? Like, there you go. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh god. No Shout chance. out to the fans, guys. You uh. guys are they're so good. Have you had like? Come on. I feel like you guys haven't even enjoyed them. You just you said coconut, no, no. hard pass, and you've just I'm never out. gone back. I, I would say I, in general, um, like I, I mean, Halloween's fine, but like I'm more of a uh, sour and a and a yeah sour yeah. based candy guy. So like I love ices, I love Starburst, I love Skittles, I love gummy worms, yeah. chocolate sour for patch kids? sour Sex? patch kids. But like well, candy bars, chocolate, classic. no, yeah, that's like at a movie, it is the largest possible icy that gives me a billion cavities. And like a bag of Twizzlers or Starburst. That is that's my go to at the movies. That's fair. Yeah, we've had we've every every episode, Declan. We have had to give like some food take, and apparently, I have no taste buds. I love it. It embarrasses people. Um, You know, that's just what it is. Also, before we get to our before we dies, which we end every episode with here of Purple Dailies before we die on Score North. uh, I Thora, could you please pull up the uh, last week's? predictions that we made and, oh. and let, let's look at the leaderboard as well if you wouldn't mind uh we're, we're taking the opportunity without ross here to, to pull i'm up still i just i'm still winning that's that's, that's really why i want to do it need to know. yeah yes. well oh, yeah well, i will absolutely ignore it once i'm no longer in first place but i've been in first place all year so. oh no that's when i'm going to start pounding the yep. standings at that point <laughs> but uh no I, I was up one on jet or i'm sorry jesse was up one on me heading into last week and jesse gained another game on me so jesse's 19 and and 17. I got 17 wins in this thing. And I probably shouldn't mention Ross's record. Ross is, Ross is struggling in, in third, but it's he, pathetic, frankly. Yeah. I mean, well, he, he turns it on late. I mean, we all know this about Ross. He's a slow yeah. starter, but in the fourth quarter, that's a guy who's there for it. His tanks are going to get better in Thor's Hammers <laughs> for the rest of the season. Exactly. Again, we do Thor's Hammers every single Thursday in Thursday's episode. Uh, let's wrap her up, guys. Again, it's a victory. We love it. We love seeing everybody out uh, there. So before we die, the Minnesota Vikings are going to beat the Buffalo Bills. Ooh. Ooh. This year. Ooh. I said it. See, this oh, is the problem. Oh, oh this Once year, I get on board, I, I am, like that. I like yeah. that. Little, I am just all head. in, That's and it's nice insane. One. It's insanity now. Like I'm all the Kool Aid is doused. I just, uh, yeah, okay. That's my before we die. Move on. So Jesse, you're you're not necessarily saying this week. You're saying it could happen. It could, yeah, yep, yep. Leave it open ended there. I I like that. Um, well, here's my my before before we die. Before we die, Thor on the panel is going to give a better apology to Ed Donatel than he did earlier this episode, and it's coming right now. Ed, if you're if you're out there watching, right in the eyes, 
I'm so sorry. In September, you, you got to understand how badly we've been hurt as Vikings fans. And when your defense started out poorly, you had the thin boxes teams were running on you, that you were getting eaten alive in the passing game, some of those games. I, I just, there was, there was some scarring in my psyche that was cropping up. And that's why we were getting mad at you. But boy, have you turned it around, Ed. We were wrong. You were right. The whole thing is now clicking. The guys are starting to know their roles and everything like that. Ed Donatel, I apologize. You were right. Thor was wrong. I love it. Wow. I'll say this one, uh, and Thor, I don't know if you saw us floating around on Twitter, but on Saturday, I I, uh, I headed down to Iowa, went across the border. I went to Diamond Joe's for the first time, checked oh, out checked out that FanDuel Sportsbook. And, um, love that place. And uh, luckily, I was able to win most of the money back uh, on some very late-night, non-booze-infused video blackjack <laughs> and also the World <laughs> Series game playing out. But, man, I, before I die, I would like to get one of my three-item parlays to hit at a sportsbook. I went 0 for 4 on all three-item parlays. Thor, including the one that hurt the most, I had Illinois on the money line at minus 720, which was the easiest leg I thought in my parlay. Illinois to beat Michigan State. I took Georgia to cover the nine and a half. I took Penn State to beat Michigan State. Uh, that was no problem. But Illinois, or uh, Penn, Penn State on the money line, excuse me, uh, to win their game. But Illinois against Michigan State was supposed to be the easiest. It was minus 720 on the line for them to win that game. And I, I end up with a, a sunk $20 ticket that I ended up had to throw in the trash. So I, before I die, can I get one three-item parlay to hit when I go down with the buddies and make some bets, for God's sakes? And, and before I die, my second one, I want Brett Bielema to apologize to you. Yes, for thank you. For torturing that ticket. Every time you start, you know, Bielema, he'll sneak up on you, and then you start to you trust him one time, <laughs> and he falls <laughs> on his face. You hate to see that. You could tweet at him. I think I saw that uh, floating around on Instagram. Somebody actually, like, tweeted at a player. I forget who it was now. And said, hey, you owe me, like, 50 bucks because of whatever you made me lose. And he's like, send me your info. And, like, <laughs> really? send the dude 50 bucks, yeah. Oh, gosh, okay, yeah. yeah. Let's send the ticket it. to Bielema and get a refund. Good old Diamond Joe's as a Iowa Stater, and I'm sure as a Hawkeye, you oh, frequented yeah. that spot. I remember. I always went down on 35, you pass that yeah. thing, right? Because yeah, in right Lawrence there. for undergrad, it drive right by, and then. When I went to Iowa City for grad school, he drove right by that thing. I spent multiple nights there. I have also gambled in that place. Not not a bad destination. The uh, So you know you can gamble at 18, right, in Minnesota at that time? Mm-hmm. And down there you could not. So I remember going down with my dad, and he likes to toss in 20 bucks to a machine or whatever. But I couldn't gamble, thinking that a good father would be like, okay, we'll just go home then. Nope, he like, gives me $10 to go eat Burger King because it was attached to the place, right? And then he goes and gambles for like half an hour. He wins 100 bucks and gives me 50 though. So okay. all good in the That's a good father but, move. Yeah, That's a great it's, uh, move. He, he, he saved himself as a parent there, I think, at the time. Like I was like, really? You want me just to sit here? Like I'm Stephen Glansbury all by myself? Yeah. Like, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you guys, this is Purple Dailies Before We Die on Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. He's Declan filling in for Ross, who is our producer. will be back with us on Thursday for our next episode where we will look at the Buffalo Bills game. Can't wait. As always, share, like, rate, drop your comments below. We will read some of your comments below if they are appropriate. I'm looking at every single one of you right now when I say that right in the eyeballs that just no guys no uh anyway you guys are the very best as always uh we'll see you back here on thursday go vikes skull vikings